1: During the interview, the boss looked at me and um, said, so what do you think about Christianity? I won't tell you my exact words on here, um, but it went along the lines of, mate, you shove that down my throat, I'll shove it back into you. Tony response he sat and he laughed. He had this smile on his face, I'll never forget it. He was basically greeting me and saying, uh, that's going to change. The Story Orange
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, Warren Pritis is sharing his life journey. He had lived a life of drugs, pubs and clubs, but deep down he was looking for peace in his life. Today, we'll find out how he finally found it as he has a chat with Karen Hunt.
2: Where were you born and bred and what was life like for you as a little tracker?
1: I grew up in Bankstown, um, Western Sydney. Um, please don't hold that against me Never, of course not <laughs> And um, yeah, just lived a normal life Youngest of four boys um, We grew up in a very normal family But it was a very hard family What does normal look like? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, mother and father Still mm-hmm. together after 40-something years Until mum passed away a mm-hmm. couple of years ago um, yeah just um, respect you know um, respect your elders don't speak until you've spoken to all the things that the kids today don't learn um, that's what we grew up with and then if you didn't give the right answer or you told a lie you got the belt you got the strap um, plus with three other brothers if you told the truth and then they would get a hold of you and have a go at you as well um, that sort of thing that's, where did you fit
2: where were you in the birth order
1: I was the last. I'm the baby. You're
2: the baby boy. Yeah. Okay. And how much older is your oldest sibling?
1: Um, eight years.
2: Mm-hmm. And were you close to your, to your siblings?
1: No, no, no. We, we were, but as every family has issues mm-hmm. and um, things that don't get worked out and push everybody apart. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what happened here.
2: What was your dad involved with? What was his focus?
1: Dad just wanted to raise the four boys the best as he possibly could, keep a roof over our head, Keep his marriage alive and happy. He was just a normal going bloke, you know, loved going down the pub, coming home, playing golf, taking us boys out, doing things with us boys, going out to the country for a couple of days camping. You know, he was just an ordinary, everyday man, which was really good because he showed us how to act, how not to act, taught us all the right things, you know, things like that. So, a respectful gentleman? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And for you as the baby, the youngest of four boys, what did you enjoy? What were you good at? What did you love
1: as a little guy? Music. That's simple. That's uh-huh. all there was to it. You learnt a particular instrument? I started when I was approximately five and a half. I got taught the trombone. Yeah. And I played that approximately up until I was, say, twenty, twenty-one, playing in different bands, pubs, clubs, touring, um, different capital cities, to it overseas, you know, all those sorts of things. I was talented. I don't mean to sound that in a really self-centered way, but I was talented, hence why I used to play a lot. I used to travel a lot, used to tour a lot. That's all I wanted to do. The power of music is so amazing that it was just, yeah, I was drawn to it instantly.
2: So when you were in school, you were learning during your schooling years? Yes. And the rest of your schooling and academia, was that on a priority list or not really?
1: Not really, because Dad being Dad, he's very, he was an architect, so he's very good with mathematics mm-hmm. and, and um, things like that. So whatever I didn't get at school, every afternoon I'd come home, he'd be like, right, two hours, sit down, let's go, before mm-hmm. dinner. So I'd have dinner, and then I'd go out and either do a rehearsal or do a gig that night or be called in to play at a band or, or a show, a musical show. It just really depended. But Dad kept us grounded and... Knowledgeable.
2: Were your other brothers musical
1: at all? They were, um, but they weren't into it as much as what I did. Mm-hmm. They're all very talented, but they turned their back on it, whereas I ingested it more, I suppose, and got into it a lot more.
2: Okay, so your mum, how old were you when she actually passed away?
1: That was four years ago, so I was 38.
2: Okay, so going back then to your younger years and with the music and the schooling and the family, was she an encourager
1: for you to pursue that
2: path as well?
1: Absolutely. Sometimes Dad, Dad was a hard man but fair, so if I wanted to tell something to Dad, I'd tell Mum. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And Mum would relate to Dad. She was always the comforter, always the one I could go and talk to, always the one I wanted to help out if I could. You know, I looked after her and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I'm a mummy's boy. I'm proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, you got to admit that.
2: Would you say more so than the others?
1: Oh, definitely. As yeah. the baby. Yeah, yeah, I would.
2: Yeah, and what? Um, a, what about God in the picture? Was he a part of your early family life?
1: No, <laughs> no, not really. We were all baptised, and Mum and Dad were Catholic. They never really went. the the extent of it was the midnight mass. On Christmas Eve. Okay. That was it.
2: Did that mean anything to you?
1: Not at all, except um, we got a little bit of bread and a little bit of cordial to drink and that was it, you know? <laughs> the cordial. Well, you're at that age, you know what I mean? Like, it, it didn't really mean anything except it's like, oh, God, I'm going to have something to eat and something to drink.
2: Jesus is born here. Have a cup of cordial.
1: Well, basically, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. That's the way that I was looking at it.
2: Warren, let's pick up maybe at the end of your high schooling years. I mean, were you a good kid? Were you a bit of an edgy one? Pick up. <laughs> The story from I'll, about those teenage times for
1: all you. All right, I was a very good kid, mm-hmm. but I was also, yeah, I turned to the other side occasionally when things had to get done. Okay, um, I went to school. Everybody knew me at school with three older brothers, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, if one of my mates were getting punched up or something, I used to jump in, mm-hmm. and um, I used to deal with it. That's that was my job. That's the way that I saw myself at school. So um, you
2: were a protector.
1: Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I protected all my mates and, and things like that. Um, what I was doing, what I didn't realise was I was growing up with a chip on my shoulder and the monkey on my back, mm. and this was just adding all to it. So I, I didn't realise that I was going down that path. But, um, yeah, it just used to have a lot of fights in and out of school. Um, that was, you know, on a Saturday morning, the local park sort of thing, or out the front, of the house mm. and the street. So your self-esteem, obviously, was affected. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. My trust, my trust. I don't have trust. Yeah. Um, I, I'll get into that further, but that's the glory of God. That's what he's done for me now. But back then, I had no trust. I didn't trust anybody at all. Um, not even my brothers. I trusted my mum and dad. That was about it. But everybody else, no.
2: So trust, so confidence. And really, that was a self-protective
1: measure, wasn't it? That's correct. But that's why I become so good with music. Yeah. Because that side of it made up for what was really going on inside. Mm. And I didn't want to go down to the drugs, jail, fighting, that sort of side of it. So I tried to stay into the music and dig myself deeper into the music, which I did, Mm -hmm. but then drinking and drugs started becoming part of that lifestyle. And that just led from one thing to another. I, I used that to try and hide the monkey and to deal with my issues.
2: You mentioned about travelling overseas with yes. the music. Was yes. that a key part of that time in your life as well?
1: Not really. I, I didn't see all the touring and, and all the travelling as a key part. I just looked at that as something I had to do to get my fix to play music. Mm-hmm. So all all the stuff that I did, I, I look back on it and go, well, yeah, okay. So, all, so I've worked with some of the best musicians in Australia and around the world, and... It was just something I had to do to do my craft. It didn't matter where it was or who it was with as long as I got that fix playing music.
2: Can you think of one particular highlight in those musical years?
1: Certainly playing at Chrissy Airfield Yeah. in San Francisco on mm-hmm. the 4th of July for yeah. approximately 160-odd thousand people. Mm-hmm. Things like that. That's, that was the pinnacle, I mm-hmm. suppose you could say that. So
2: that would be an absolute highlight. Any other particular one?
1: one, Yeah. Oh, there's quite a few of them. Like I've worked in the rock and roll scene too, and a lot of people I grew up listening to and and putting up on a pedestal growing up musically. Mm -hmm. I got to work with personally Um, guys like Bob Spencer out of the Angels, Um, Kevin Borich, who come over from New Zealand, great blues guitarist who founded the Party Boys with Paul Christie, Mm -hmm. a guy called Mal Eastick, who I am very I was very close with at one stage. Um, he used to play in Jimmy Barnes's band when he left Chisel, and he also started another band in the seventies called Stars. I've worked with Susie Quattro, the Party Boys. Um, who was Angry Anderson from yep. Rose Tats? Mm-hmm. You name it. I've. Um, they're all Pinnacles, as well, but not as good as what San Fran was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but and in all of this, you're playing trombone, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah.
2: Fantastic. I mean, a great instrument. But yes, definitely a rock and roll scene through and through, hey?
1: Oh, it was. It was. But I also, in the meantime, taught myself, working with all these great musicians, you know, you learn a lot of things. So I taught myself guitar during those years as well. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's now my main instrument. Um, I've stopped playing the trombone due to um, having brain surgery and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I stopped playing it and now I play the guitar.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Warren Prittis is sharing his life journey. We just heard about his life as a successful musician, but he still hadn't found peace in his life. We'll find out how God finally got a hold of his heart when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1 800 Pray For Me. That's 1 800 772 936. It's a free call or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with musician Warren Prittis. Before the break, we heard how even though he was having success in the entertainment industry, he still knew there was something missing in his life. Next, we'll hear how he finally finds what he's looking for all along after he starts a new job.
1: I started realizing that there's more to life and that uh, my wife and I were arguing quite often, quite often, to a point where we separated and got back together again like three or four times. What I realised was the thing that was missing wasn't the drugs, wasn't the drinking, wasn't the sex, wasn't anything except peace. Mm. And that's what I wanted. I wanted peace in my life, something I'd never, ever had. Mm-hmm. And i never knew how to get it i thought turning the drugs and drinking and partying and doing all that was peace but no that's just making things worse i wanted peace and i never knew how to go about it my wife wanted to move up to queensland which is great so we moved up here and ultimately we ended up splitting up she moved back down to the central coast and i stayed up here with the kids because the kids elected to live with me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was just one of those things. We didn't get caught so involved or nothing like that. It was very amicable, very you know straightforward.
2: So all of them, those that were hers previously and your own?
1: Yes, but then the two oldest, which were hers, decided it's best if they go down with her, and I was going insane, literally.
2: How old insane. were they at this
1: time? Um, so it was four years ago. So my oldest was 12, and then there was 10, and then there was 9. Yeah, that's interesting times. Oh, Character building, most definitely.
2: And you're a single dad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I come home from work, house is cleaned out, kids are crying, and I'm like, well, kid, dokie, we've got to step up here. And again, at that stage, it was still up to me. Yeah. God didn't come into it. Not at all. Until probably about three, three months after all that happened, I quit the job that I was at, and then I... Went for a job at Designer Physique. And um, during the interview, the boss looked at me, Tony. He took one look at me and um, said, so what do you think about Christianity? I won't tell you my exact words on here, um, but it went along the lines of, mate, you shove that down my throat, I'll shove it back into you. You know, like, don't. I don't believe in it. I don't want it. I want nothing to do with it. Don't even go there.
2: And this was to a prospective employer?
1: Yeah. Because I'm straight down the line. See, mm-hmm. I call a spade a spade. It's not a shovel, it's a spade. How I see it, whether it's detrimental to me or not, that's how I call it. I call it how it is. So Tony's response? Tony's response, he sat and he laughed. He had this smile on his face. I'll never forget it. He had this smile on my face and, and he was basically reading me and saying, uh, that's going to change. And I'm like, because I can read body language and, and pick up people's facials pretty well and... um. I'm just looking at him going, mate, you've got no hope with me, so don't worry about it. So
2: he was already thinking, this guy's got the job.
1: Yeah. Wow. It was between me and another bloke. Uh-huh. Tony had an intercessor from his church praying over me, which I didn't realize. Yeah. They got um, a revelation of that I was going to get turned into a Christian. They knew it straight away, so they turned around and picked me because I was the older. They wanted to go with the young bloke, but they didn't have that vibe with him. So with me, Tony said, look, you know, I just had this revelation that you will become a good Christian. So I'm hiring you. And I laughed.
2: I was going to say, that would have gone down like a lead balloon, I'm sure.
1: I just laughed and he said, yeah, mate, whatever. Yeah, Whatever <laughs> you reckon, buddy. You know, mm-hmm. Give it your best shot. Used to watch him rock up every morning and I'd look at him and he just had this way about him. <laughs> and I'd be like, man, I want some of that. <laughs> I used to say it to myself every morning, and I even used to say it to him when he rocked up. I'm like, Tony, mate, I don't know what drugs you're on, but I want some. And he'd just laugh at me and walk off. It was just how it worked out, you know? Like, it's, I come in here, I start working in here. It's a Christian company. Everything's going great. I'm just like, no, I don't want a bar of it. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm fine. You know, I'm still going home and, and doing all the wrong things that I shouldn't be doing. That was my life until the first time the kids went away to their mother's place. And that's when it all changed for me.
2: This new boss of yours, a very brave man to employ you in the first place, (laughs) he knew that your life was about to turn around for the good.
1: I've been working here for a couple of months and the kids had to go down to um, the ex-wife's place for (laughs) holidays. So here I am at home by myself first time going insane I can't put it any other way I was just at the wit's end I wasn't drinking I wasn't doing anything it was like two o'clock in the morning I get out of bed I get I pace the house and my my mind is just in turmoil physically I'm stressed out I'm so angry I'm I'm hating everything at the moment and um, I started talking through an old friend on Facebook that I hadn't caught up with for like 12 or 13 years. We used to bash around together and do all things down there together and, um, you know, we had a history. I hadn't spoken to him for so long, but I got his number and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm like, he goes, ring me any time if you need me. So I rung him and he's like, what's going on? And I told him and he starts laughing at me. And I'm like, mate, you keep on laughing at me. If I could grab you by the throat down at the end of this phone, mate, I will, you know? And he just starts laughing at me even harder. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, repent. I said, what's that, a swear word? He goes, no, repent. I said, what? He goes, talk to the Lord. And I laughed at him. I said, you're an idiot. He goes, no, you want peace in your life. Talk to the Lord. I said, so let me get this right, mate. It's two o'clock in the morning. I'm praying in the house. You want me to talk to nothing. That's not, No one's here to anything. And you want me to talk and... and apologize? He's like, try it. And well, the moment I did, the peace, and I mean, you could hear a pin drop. It was so quaint and so quiet. I stood in the kitchen and I bawled my eyes out because what I'd been looking for for 15, 20 years, all I had to do was open my heart to the Lord and repent and ask for his forgiveness. And man, that was my most experienced life-changing time ever.
2: Hmm. What was your concept of of
1: who this Lord is or was or I didn't, because at that time it wasn't about him still. Uh-huh. It was about me.. Yep. I had to get the peace in my life to continue to help raise my kids and do the right thing by my kids and just become a better all-round bloke because like I was a good bloke back then, but I was hard, you know, a bit of a mongrel. Um, But I was hard, but I was fair, you know? And I didn't want to be that bloke. I wanted to be me. That was all the years of the drugs and everything, taking the fighting, the, the pressure, the whole lot. That's not who I was. That's not who my parents raised me to be. And I just wanted that peace. I wanted to be who my parents knew.
2: So your heart softened. It's the early hours of the morning. Yep. You allowed yourself to open up, to free up. To confess, to unpack?
1: Yep, everything, all of the above.
2: Yeah?
1: Um, you know, um, unpack it, hand it over, give it away. It was just all this baggage and baggage and baggage that I had to get rid of.
2: And was your friend still on the other end of the phone? Absolutely, this was... he was. Yeah?
1: Yes, yeah, he was. He was. I had the phone on loudspeaker and he was praying mm. over me mm-hmm. while I was repenting and um He and his wife went into tongues to help cover me um, and to help me through it as well. And the peace that I found was just phenomenal. I had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to find that. Mm -hmm. And it was as simple as opening my heart to the Lord and repenting and just saying, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? How
2: did the journey continue from there?
1: Oh, well, it was quite funny, actually, because... um, after that, when the kids come back, I didn't tell them anything. They're just like, Dad, you seem a lot more quiet. You seem a lot more calm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll fill you in one day when I understand it. So that night I took them down to Macca's, and um, walking into McDonald's and my oldest daughter runs up and hugs this bloke. And I stood back and I sized him up and down. I looked at him and said, mate, you know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Who are you? He puts his hand out. Wilson Marsh, blah, 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 who had a big help in my story. And um, he looked at me and goes, oh, you must be well. And I said, yeah. He, and he goes, mate, you're an inspiration. And he shakes my hand again. he goes, you are an absolute inspiration of what you've done to these kids so far by yourself and how you're holding it together. And that blew me away because when I grew up, man, I'm used to the knives in my back and I'm used to everybody wanting something for something. Mm-hmm. So that's how I grew up. That's that's what I used to work under the whole lot. And um, I stood down and looked at him and said, so what do you want? He laughed at me and goes, nothing. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, oh, you're good at playing music. I said, yeah. He goes, I'll oh, come over for a jam. I said, yeah, I'll do that. I said, what music do you play? And he's like, oh, soul." And I looked at him and I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that'll be pretty easy, mate. He goes, Wilson Marsh, Christian, and shakes my hand again. And I looked at him, I'm like, you go to church? He goes, yeah. He goes, why don't you come along? I said, I think I might actually, just like that. And the kids all look at me and said, are you serious, Dad? (laughs) I'm like, yeah. So I gave him my number. He texts me through the address for uh, Church One. And um, well, that was four, four and a half years ago and I'm still there.
2: Warren, God bless you. Thank you so much for being willing to share your story with us today. I've been Thank chatting you, with Warren Prittis from Helensvale, the northern end of the Gold Coast. God bless you, Warren. Wish you well.
1: Thank you, Karen. Bless you too. Bye-bye.
0: That was Warren Prittis sharing his life journey with Karen Hunt. As we heard, he has come a long way in trusting God and now experiences a tremendous peace in his life. As the Bible says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Well, thanks for joining us for Warren's Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today.